If you're a health entrepreneur, coach, or practitioner that wants to turn your expertise into a high six or seven figure virtual business with less stress, so you can impact more people at a deeper level while making more money and enjoying a greater quality of life in the process, then the Health Printer Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Uriel Kame. I'm a former pro athlete, leading health expert, New York Times bestselling author, and the founder of Health Printer, where I help experts just like you create and fill high-end virtual coaching programs that create dream come true results for your clients. Now, for a free and in-depth training on how to do just that without manual prospecting, one-on-one coaching, or having to spend years building your online following, head on over to healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash training and jump on to our seven-figure health business blueprint training today. And now, let's get to today's episode. Hey, it's Yuri and welcome to the show. Hope you're having an amazing day. It's gonna get a little bit better, maybe a lot better after today's interview. We've got Joe Arco on the show today. He has been in the fitness industry for over 20 years. He is the host of two TV shows called Body Fuel and Training with the Pro. He's written for major fitness magazines, presented all over the world, and has owned his own high-end performance center. Today is the founder of the personal training certification called ATS, which is the Advanced Training Systems, along with running PT Profits, his personal training business consulting business, which helps trainers run successful businesses. He was inducted into the international, sorry, he was um, in 2017 inducted into, or a nominee for fitness, into the Fitness Hall of Fame 2017. He was also the International Trainer of the Year, which is pretty cool. I'm not too sure how they give out those awards, but hey, why not, right? That is a pretty nice little accolade to add to your sachet. I'm just thinking back to Boy Scouts when you had the sash with the little badges and stuff. So anyways, we've got a great conversation. We're gonna be talking about how to clone yourself, how to build a team, how to grow leaders, and also some heated discussions about the future of the online training industry. So without any further ado, let's jump into it. Welcoming Joe to the show. Joe, welcome to the Healthpreneur Podcast. How's it going? Things are absolutely fantastic. And yourself? Uh, I'm doing very well. And and as usual, as always, uh, I'm, I'm sure our guests have heard this many, many times. It's always great to connect with fellow Canadians. Because <laughs> I think we're, uh, we're pretty cool. We're a pretty good breed here up here in the great white north and I'm excited to uh, to chat because I mean there's a lot of people in the health and fitness space in and around Toronto and it's always great to connect with new people and just see what everyone's up to and be able to expose our audience to awesome people like yourself so welcome thank you so talk to us um, I mean our, our audience has a bit of an understanding of, uh, of your background and so forth but give us a, a quick rundown of what your business model looks like now. So I always like asking this question because everyone has a slightly different model with how they run their business. But just so our listeners have a sense of how you generate income or clients and how you help your clients, what does that all look like for you? Okay. Well, I mean, I've got two similar yet very different businesses that I run right now. And, and my one of my businesses is my certification course, which is uh, the Advanced Training Systems, which is a two-level, two-day certification course for personal trainers. And I used to be the hands-on. I used to teach every single course. And this year was my first year where I've actually licensed that out. And I now have, you know, over over six, seven uh, different trainers now licensing that program and teaching that on my behalf, which is now a residual income for me. So I only do private courses, um, some invitation only for that. But basically that whole model now is a residual income stream for me. And my primary business, which is PT Profits that myself and uh, my partner Sarah Fennell 
own and operate is kind of a multi-tiered system where we do mostly private coaching workshops and six-month mentorships. Um, but we also do some entry-level uh, online support, online coaching for that as well. Cool. Awesome. It's, it's been really cool on the podcast so far. We've talked and uh, we've spoken with um, other people in the space who've done a similar type of thing where they've taken what they do really well and they started to kind of license it out or uh, kind of have other coaches coach their methodologies. For instance, Jason Phillips, uh, Casey Arnold. And it's really cool to see how you can uh, how you can take your methodology and have other people, other clones, if you will, of yourself, go out and share that uh, message with more people. Was there a moment, like, what was the moment in time where you, where you kind of woke up one day or you said to yourself, listen, I can't keep doing this all myself. And how do I go about kind of branching out? How do I go to, how do I go about cloning myself? Or was there a moment in time where you had that kind of internal dialogue and, and how did you go about building that out? So last, uh, it was actually last May, I had a gentleman, uh, his name was Kennedy Lodato, an amazing trainer in this field. He runs our trigger point courses, barefoot courses, things like that. Super, super intelligent guy. He took my course and he's like, Joe, I'm going to teach your course one day. And I laughed. I'm like, Kennedy, no one's teaching my course. It's my course, not your course. Nice try. And he came back to another one and another one. He took the same course I did four times nice. last year. And I'm like, huh, this guy's pretty driven. <laughs> he's, he's definitely, I'll give him that. Like he's super smart. He's driven. Maybe I'm willing to kind of, you know, listen to him. Sure. And I actually had a, a meeting last November with a, a major gym organization. Um, their headquarters are of the States. They've got gyms all around the world. And they said, Hey, we like your model and we'd like to incorporate some of this throughout our gyms, but uh, you're only one guy. So maybe this might not work. And I thought, wow, I'm going to miss out on a massive opportunity if I don't learn to replicate myself really fast. And, you know, I'm also getting tired of traveling all over the place. And I've taught this in Australia, all across the States, across Canada. And, you know, traveling gets a little tiring. I've got, I've got two kids at home and I've got an amazing partner. I want to spend more time at home. So in, in November, I got the idea of like, you know what, I need to replicate myself and I need to basically teach other people to do what I do. And I spent two months putting together a, a master instructor certification course and, and, you know, basically an educational, no longer teaching trainers, but teaching professionals how to teach what I do. And, uh, this past February, we, we found a good group of people and, uh, it was my job now to start teaching the trainers to teach the students. Awesome. Um, it's, it's come with some growing pains and, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, in terms of replicating yourself, um, you know, I can't remember what movie it was, uh, old movie, I think it was in the 80s or 90s, I think it was a Bill Murray movie where he's, he's uh, multiplicity, where he starts to create multiple versions of himself, but every version is not as good as the original. Yep. Um, you know, there are some growing pains when you're used to teaching things a certain way, your style, um, you market things a certain way, and the expectation is the same for everyone else, and you realize, wow, they don't care as much as I do, or they don't treat it just the same way you do. So, it's, it's been a, a kind of a, a growing pain, but at the same time, a good learning lesson on how to scale this business and what the expectations are. And it's taught me a lot as to the amount of time and effort that needs to get into to training people to, to make sure that they are at the level that you want them to be at. Yeah, that's a great insight. Like, cause I thought we've, we've spoken to a lot of experts on the show who, uh, even off the show who they have this methodology that they, they know the step one, step two, step, you know, whatever to, to produce a result for their clients. And now they're, they're, 
they're apprehensive to give that off to someone else because it's not going to be perfect, right? It's not going to be them. What, like, what advice do you give to that person who says, like, listen, I don't have time to do this anymore. I'm like maxed out, but I don't want other people to do it because they're not going to be as good as me. What are some of the lessons you've had to learn along the way uh, that you might be able to impart on them? Well, there's a few things. One thing I've really realized is that there's a difference between content and, and delivery. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can go watch a stand-up comedian and his jokes are amazing and it makes you laugh and you understand that content. And then you try to deliver that content yourself and you screw it up mm-hmm. and it's just not the same. So one thing that I've really learned is, is how to not just teach the content of what I'm, what I want them to know, but really how to teach the delivery of the information to create the experience to not just deliver something, but to deliver with the same passion I would. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that, I, you know, a lot of people say, here's the content, go teach it. And it's just not delivered the way you want it to deliver. That's, that's one thing I've really learned. And the second thing I've really learned is that it's never going to be a hundred percent. That's just it. Like I'd rather have seven people teaching at 80% than me at a hundred percent because I'm only one person. And you know, and, and I also need to realize that when I first started doing this, I was probably less than what they are right now too. And I think sometimes what happens is we don't even realize the evolution and how far we've come. So we expect people to deliver things the way we deliver it right now, not the way we delivered it on day one ourselves. And I think sometimes the expectation's a little high and we expect them to catch on really quick rather than you know giving them some time as well and some of those growing pains to catch up to where we are right now. Mm, that's a great, really good insights. That's awesome stuff. It's kind of like, you know, don't compare your middle to someone else or don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle or vice exactly. versa in this case. Exactly. So what are, um, in terms of training or kind of coaching other coaches to train in your methodology or to teach in your methodology, what are some of the, um, tips that you've you, like what type, what type of process i mean in terms of time in terms of uh, dedication to training and coaching them do you put in or have you put in uh versus just kind of like here's the manual and and go do it so we did a four day eight hour so we had a, a you know a uh 32 hour kind of uh master trainer certification that we put them all through um we depending on the individual. And and that's the hard thing too, is that, you know, you have some clients that come in, let's say a client comes in to see a trainer and all they want is some weight loss. You have some clients that just get it. They're dialed in. You tell them what to do. They go do it. And you have some people that's just like, wow, every single day you need a little more attention. So I think (laughs) step number one is kind of identifying where that person's at, where, where they need the most amount of help to help the business grow. Mm-hmm. Some people might be in delivery, some people it could be the social media, it could be the marketing, who knows? So identifying where some of those weaknesses are, and then it's an individual base. You know, Some people we have very little contact with. They go, they run their courses, and they're awesome. Like literally, it's just like, there's no hand-holding whatsoever. And there are some people, and I, I say this very <laughs> diplomatically, that I just kind of bang my head against the wall a couple times a week going, oh my God, Oh my God. Oh my God. And those are some of the people that you just need to spend more time with and you need a bit more handholding. And as a business, that's your responsibility to make sure that you're giving them the attention that they need to succeed. Because at the end of the day, if they don't succeed, not only does it look bad on them, but you guess who it looks the worst on is your business. For sure. Totally. So it's, it, it's very individual. It's very independent. And like I said, I mean, it depends on how much time you want to put in. There are times where I feel like, wait a second, I'm doing this so I can free up time. Yet I'm spending so much time 
developing these people that I feel like I should just be doing it myself. But then once they're developed and you go into year two and year three and year four, that's when you really start to reap the rewards of the effort that you're putting in right now. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. You know, it's as a business owner, like the key is like, and we talked about this before we started recording, is the difference between a business owner and a technician. Mm -hmm. And it's having that mindset of being an investor because that's what you're doing. You're investing your time and resources into people which I really believe is the best use of, of any leader's time is to, to, to cultivate other leaders. And it's almost like having kids, right? Human kids are pretty useless for quite a long time, right? <laughs> Very true. And if you, don't really, like, if you don't grow them up the right way, um, we're not going to have the, the legacy or the outcomes that we ideally want from them down the road. And I think it's very much the same with employees, but I don't think they're maybe as, as useless as kids are when they're first born. But during this process, and kind of seeing like which ones kind of take and really run with it and do great versus others that you're kind of banging your head against the wall with. Have you gone back to the drawing board and, and asked yourself like who really is the perfect coach for us to train? Like has has that criteria changed at all? And if so, what does that look like for you guys? You live. I'm so so happy you brought this up because if you didn't, I was going to bring this up <laughs> because at first, you know, we looked at. Hey, great. You know, are you, are you currently doing, um, do you have a good reach? Do you have a lot of following? Do you understand the content? Are you knowledgeable? Um, you know, we're actually going to be taking on some more people, uh, next year and our entire intake process has completely changed. And I remember one of my early mentors, he, I, I was talking about hiring people and he did something very simple and he went onto a board. He drew a big A, a line under the A and then an S under the A. I'm looking at this thing going, what is that? He goes, on the top is attitude, on the bottom is skill. He goes, always hire for attitude and train skill. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's something I've known for so long. I did it when I, when I operated my gym. But with this, I really looked for a lot of skilled people and I really, really did not emphasize the attitude part and the ability to actually teach and deliver the skill that they have. And I think next time I'm gonna be less hung up on how smart are you? Do you understand biomechanics and anatomy and stuff like that? And almost have like a, like a, a stand-up, you know, a stand-up comedy act where it's like, look, stand up and present to me. I don't care what topic it is. I don't care if you're talking about Super Mario Brothers 3. I just want <laughs> you to engage me. I want you to talk to me and I want you to see how well you deliver information and what kind of attitude you have. Yeah. That's something that we're definitely going to change in the next round. That's so good. That's, that's awesome. It really, I mean, it's so true. And I think a lot of trainers can appreciate that because I, I think most people in the health space have some type of athletic background. And mm -hmm. I mean, I remember like playing soccer. I would some of my best teams were the weakest from a on paper skill perspective, but we had the best attitude. We had the best collective spirit. And I've and I, like, I can, and I, I can't stand coaching or being part of teams where you have the egos and like, I'm too good for school. I'm not going to show up for practice and I'm not going to give my full, uh, full effort versus those who are, you know, maybe 80% is good, but they show up, they give it all. They have the attitude and that's so important guys. So let that a, and then the line S underneath attitude over skill. That's a huge, huge one. And I totally agree with you, Joe, because that's even when we look at hiring people for our company, it's the same thing. And we're in a process of uh, building out more of our kind of delivery side in terms of our coaches, but also the enrollment side. And one of the things that we have all these people do is because we're pretty much virtual for the most part is we have the first point of contact is obviously if they meet certain criteria is they have to send us a video. And nice. 
just sell us on why we should even hire you. And like, I don't even, it's not even so much about what they say. It's just, I want to get a style of what they communicate like, because that emotional intelligence, that communication is so important. And then we'll have them do things like, you know, sell me anything, like sell me a pen or a pencil or whatever, you know, your favorite thing is just Ooh. to see them, like how they operate in, in that kind of communication style. And I think, you know, the days of looking at resumes and stuff like that are just so like, they're not even, I don't even think they're applicable for, for most of our, for most of our businesses anymore. But, no. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I actually had to write a resume. Well, I mean, I've worked for myself since I was 19, so it's been very, very yeah, exactly. And like we're basically unemployable. We're pretty much useless to other companies because we'd be we'd be breaking all the rules anyways. Very true. Yeah. So let's talk about um, training, trainers, online training. Um, you obviously have some some uh, opinions about this. So talk to me about what you feel is the state of the industry uh, at this day and age, 2018, as it pertains to online training. Oh boy. <laughs> Take well, it away. You know, I, I'm going to be the the normal Joe would would go into a rant, <laughs> but I'm I'm going to be I'm going to take both sides of this. I think it's fantastic that in this day and age we have the ability to help inspire and change people's lives literally any anywhere in the world, and I think that's amazing. I really do think that you know the technology that we have to connect with people is amazing when used properly. That's the nice side of Joe. The honest side of Joe and the other side of Joe is also saying that there's a part of the online training industry that I think is completely ruining our industry. And when you look at, you know, when we talk about personal training, there's a personal connection to that. When it comes to taking a client and understanding how they move, how they behave, what it is that they need from you, a lot of these things really cannot be solved merely just through online training. Now, the other thing that I have an issue with is people who literally very green, just starting in this field, got their certification, and they're like, wow, I can make so much money sitting in my underwear at home training people. Why would I bother working at a gym and giving them a percentage? Why would I bother having my own studio and having overhead? Man, I'm going to make six figures and just do online training. And they do the exact same thing that everyone else does, same platform, same training, and copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. And they think that it's easy. And the reality is it's not. It's, you know, and I think... Those doing it for the wrong reasons, I don't have a lot of respect for. Those doing it for the right reasons, I think it's an amazing way to scale your business and help people that normally wouldn't be able to see you, or it's a more affordable way of, of, of you know, having a trainer as well. My, my biggest fear is, again, just the people who don't pay their dues, they've never trained a person in their life, and basically what they are is a glorified men, men's health. They're like, hey, Here's your shoulder day, leg day, arm day, chest day, back day. Go have fun and I'll modify things in, in four weeks. Yeah. Um, that's the part I really don't like. And that's the part that I feel so many people are gravitating towards because they see it as a scalable business. But at the same time, you know what? People say they want to make six figures training, you know, doing online training. Even, even if you're charging uh, you know, 100 bucks uh, a client just for a program design, you need 83 clients to make six figures. It's a lot, that's so, a lot of clients, for sure. That's a lot of emails and complaining and questions. Like that's still a full-time job. Yeah. Even if you charge 200 bucks and if you're new, you shouldn't be because you have no, you're not going to find the people to, to really justify paying you that much. You're still managing 40 clients. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize the, the investment that's needed to give the people what they deserve and what they're looking for. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you because I don't, I've never, so when I came online in 2006, I totally agree with you. You have to put in, you have to put in the reps. You yeah. have to pay your dues because if you don't, you have no business helping people at, at that level. Um, and, and I think online training is, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I think there's a huge distinction that happens when you've had years of experience in person and you can, in your mind, visually see what this person might be going through in the gym and start to over, like you can start to overcome potential hurdles or obstacles that they might be encountering because you've been in those scenarios hundreds and hundreds of times. If you're just coming out of a certification after a weekend and you're starting to look at how do I get clients online, you don't have that. You don't have that repertoire of experience. And I think it's a big disservice to the people you serve. I still think, you know, for certain people, having that accountability in the coach just for the fact of getting them to work out is, is fine. Um, but I do agree with you that you have to put in the time because nothing, nothing, repla- nothing replaces experience. Um, what the thing too is, yeah. I, I think a, a lot of people, a lot of trainers come online because they think they want to scale their business. But as you said, to earn six figures, that's 83 clients, right? So, the way most trainers are coaching online is still one-on-one. So yeah. why not just do that in person and actually give them a higher level of service? You know? Correct. Yeah. So I don't really understand the one-on-one online training. I never really got that. I'm like, why would you do this? It's still one-on-one. You're still trading time for money. So it just never really made a lot of sense to me. I think it's just for a lot of people, it's, they, they feel more free. They feel like, well, I don't like, you know, I don't want to be at the gym, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from four o'clock to seven o'clock. And I don't want to be there at 6 AM. I don't, you know, I don't want to work the crazy hours, but the way I, I kind of feel the industry right now, I'm a, I don't know if you're a music fan or not, but I'm a massive, massive music fan. Uh, I like everything from, from, you know, country rock, you name it, love going to concerts. And I feel like music is kind of going the same way as training where people, as long as you have a YouTube channel and a million views, you can, you can sell some records and, and you know, you're famous all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, however, I kind of, I really enjoyed the old school way of how music was made. You know, you know, guys got together, they practiced in their garage. They, they got in a van, they drove all over the place doing these little gigs. They put up posters, they put in the time and they put in the dues to get recognized. They put in an album, they gave it to their friends and they did everything they could to say, Hey, here we are, here's what we do. And they try to get better and better and better. And they slowly started to make it. And, you know, because of, you know, social media and, you know, the internet and stuff like that, anyone now could be Insta famous literally overnight. And I think people are skipping those steps and doing what's necessary to create long-term success. Yeah. And I think you're, you're on to something there because the more digitized we get, the more there's going to be a demand for in-person type of stuff experiential yeah. hand you know hand holding in person type of experiences and talking about music i was in belgium last summer for a huge electronic music festival called tomorrowland and oh, nuts. I've, I've you know grown up loving techno and house music and i'm like i can listen to this every single day on my computer that's not a problem um, but to be in that environment for three days was was epic and i'm like i did it with my brother we had an amazing time that's something that I think everyone listening, whether you're training clients online or in person, there's a level of experience that you can offer people coming together in person that will bring your people together in and in in like glue around you and what you stand for. And I think there's a huge opportunity there. So, yeah, um, I think like whatever the whatever the trend is, like whatever, you know, however we're going online, like do the opposite. I mean, kind of ride the wave a little bit, but look at where the opportunity is on the flip side. And I think there's a, as you mentioned, there's a big opportunity with um, kind of going back to our roots and, and really connecting at that level. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. This is uh, this has been really good. So, w- with respect to um, well, let's let's talk about your business for a second, more specifically. What was as you've grown over over the years? Like, what was a big lesson you had to learn? The, you had to learn the hard way. Oh my god! I don't think we have enough time for this. <laughs> um, I mean, hmm. I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was to stop thinking I could do it all myself. Um, I kind of grew up with this whole self-made mentality and I can do it all alone. And even like I opened up my own facility in 2013, it was an 8,000 square foot performance center and I did everything. I mean, I, I demoed and, and did the change rooms. I did the floors. I, I you know, put the, you know, did everything for two, three months. And even once I opened it, you know, I was doing the front desk stuff. I was doing the admin, I was doing the accounting and, I really didn't learn how to delegate tasks. And I felt like by delegating, I was, I was being less than a good business person because I should be doing it and it should be mine. And you know, now I, I really try to do as little as possible. I mean, like I really, really try to do the, the 5% of what's the most important thing to help my business and delegate the rest or hire someone to do the rest or, you know, or it just doesn't, it doesn't need to be done. And I think, a lot of people just don't understand when you're, especially when you're, when you're starting out, you're like, Oh, I don't have the resources. Or I don't have the time. Or I don't have the money to do that. So I do it all on my own. And once you realize how much more time you save to do things, to make you more money, then it, it, it's just like the more you delegate, the more money you make, the more you can delegate. And it's just getting on that mentality of you don't have to do it all or just ask for help. I was horrible at asking for help when I was younger. Now I just love asking. I, I love the, you know, I remember reading the Aladdin factor, uh, Jack Canfield and Mark, uh, Mark Victor Hansen's book. Mm-hmm. And I just became, I fell in love with asking needed something. I asked for it, needed something, asked for it. And it's amazing what you can get when you ask really well, or you ask good questions and how many people are really willing to help you and help you succeed. You just got to put it out there. Yeah. And the cool thing too, with, with so many services online or even in person as well, like execution is now a commodity. Like if you want anything done, you can have someone do it. And I, and I think like, as you kind of alluded to being lazy or not, I shouldn't say being lazy, but like striving to do less is actually a higher value activity for high le- for entrepreneurs at our level where we're kind of the visionary, the leader of the company. We shouldn't be grinding away 40 hours a week. You know, it's like, how do we focus on the big thinking and build out, you know, the systems and then kind of put people in those places to run those. Um, And I think that's, that's a big distinction between when people think of success. It's like, it's not just the money. Like if you're grinding away, you're not really building a business. Like you have a job that you're enslaved to. And unless you're taking the time to put those people in the right seats and have them do the work for you, um, you're just going to be, you know, running a rat race forever. Yeah, 100% agree. What do you think is the number one skill or one big important skill that entrepreneurs must possess for lasting success? Oh, boy. I think, honestly, the number one skill is being able to work when you're not motivated. And, And what I mean by that is, and I mean... A lot of people ask me this question, like, how do you stay motivated? How do you get things done? And, you know, how do you do it? And I, I really think that entrepreneurs are the people that despite how tired they are, how much they, they make excuses or they want to do something else, they're really the people that just get the work done when other people don't. And they're the ones that, you know, I mean, I work from home and we moved into our new home uh, a year ago. And can you believe we've watched our television in terms of cable twice in one year? Good for you. 
and I work from home. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just not part of our life. Yeah. And there are days where we're just like, Oh, I don't feel like doing it. And I kind of make that analogy. When you look at a professional bodybuilder, how many times do they really feel like eating their food mm-hmm. or doing their cardio or going to the gym? But what separates the professional from the non-professional or the winner from third or fourth or fifth place is doing the things they need to do even when they don't want to. Yeah. And that would be my biggest, my biggest advice. Uh, I agree with that one totally. We have a question we ask people when we speak to them on the phone. Uh, we ask them, what kind of person are you? Are you a do-your-best type of person or do-whatever-it-takes type of person? And very rarely do we want to work with people who are the do-your-best type of people because they'll find <laughs> excuses to come up with if they didn't meet a specific goal. Uh, right. Do whatever it takes type of people, they'll they'll do whatever it takes, right? And that's it just going kind of going back to what you said of like, you know, it's just like we get it done no matter what, right? And that's a huge and I don't know if that can I don't know if that's taught. I don't know if that's something that you're born with or kind of you, you grow up uh, developing, but it is such a huge, huge trait that I would uh, completely agree with on that. I, awesome. I mean, I, I've, I've toyed with the idea of whether entrepreneurs are born or made, but I look back in, in terms of like my childhood, I came from a very old school European, like my grandparents are very hardworking people. It's just, you know, from a young age, it was like, work hard, work hard, work hard. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. So I don't know if it's a born thing. If it's, you know, people that you see, I'm sure that there's, there's a certain subconscious paradigm that you, you, you start to develop at a young age and the people that you're surrounded by really help enforce you know, whether you make excuses or whether you get it done, it's very hard to say, but I mean, you can almost tell very quickly the people, like you said, the ones that at all costs are able to get things done compared to the ones that make excuses very quickly. Yeah, totally. Um, I want to talk about kids in just a second, but you brought up um, a thought, you know, we will talk to people every now and then, and they're, they're very faith-based, which is, you know, some people that's fine, right? I'm, I'm spiritual. So that's, that's cool as well. Um, and, and they kind of leave it in the hands of, of the gods. They're like, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm like, that's a, that's a good cop out. Like that is a really great way of never meeting your goals, you know, of like, I'm not willing to step up and do whatever it takes because maybe it's not meant to be. I'm like, well, it's not meant to be for you ever uh, based on that type of <laughs> mentality. Um, but I want, I want to talk about kids cause you talked about like, is it born or is it learned? <clears throat> and I don't know if you've, uh, if you recognize this with your kids, I've got three young boys and very early and still to this day, they're four five and seven. They're, they're very strong-willed. They do things in a very different way from each other. Um, and and there's, there's elements of that that are very frustrating for me as a parent, but also I see the benefit for them in the long term, right? Like not being able to sit still, you know, like having all sorts of different ideas and being creative and stuff like that. These are all things that I think fuel entrepreneurship down the road. But mm-hmm. is this something that you notice with your kids as well? So here's what's interesting. So I, um, I separated from my, my ex-wife about seven years ago. My kids are now 12 and nine. So, you know, they were young when, when we separated and that's all they've really known. So they have two realities. They have dad's house and mom's house and, and dad and mom are very different people. Um, you know, mom is nine to five. She works for the government, loves structure, loves, you know, having that, uh, uh, guaranteed income. She's not an entrepreneur, like, you know, from, from everything, like the, our nutrition habits are different. Our activity levels are different. Everything's just so different. And you actually notice a change. So the kids will actually literally morph from house to house. Hmm. They're one way with me. They're another with her, neither good or bad, but just the way it is. And it, it's been, I, I would say this year, I've noticed the most how much 
nurture can really affect a child. So my, both my kids know everything about myself, my business. They've known the ups, the downs. I've been frauded, almost lost my company. They knew that I want to teach them resiliency. I want to teach them reality. And, and they know dad's an entrepreneur. They, they know the struggles. They know the highs, the lows and the benefits. And this is the first year the kids are really getting involved. Um, so every Wednesday we do presentations. So the kids have to present for 10 to 15 minutes, any topic they want, get in front of us, uh, and as a house, get used to, to speaking and presenting. Um, all my work's in my office. They can use whatever they want. They have vision boards. They've got goal boards now. It's, it's so cool to see them developing that mindset. And my son wants to be an entrepreneur. He, uh, you know, school's done now, but when he was in school, he, uh, he had an entrepreneurial class and then we, we sat there for weeks putting together a website and putting together marketing material. And he, he put together this amazing PowerPoint presentation for his class and he nailed it. And it's so cool to see them kind of like coming to me saying, hey dad, if I wanna do this kind of stuff, what can I do? I don't know a lot of 12 year olds who know who Les Brown is or Brian Tracy or you know the Tony Robbins and stuff like that. And that, that's the stuff that we, 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 we kind of spew throughout the house all the time. And my only goal is, you know what, by the time he's 18, 19 or 20, he can decide you know, if it's for him or if it's not, but I'd rather give him those tools now that I never had. You know, I, I never had those tools. And I'm really curious, not even worried, but I'm really curious to see as they grow up, what kind of, you know, we're planting seeds now. As, as parents, that's all we can do is plant seeds and you hope for the best and see which ones root, which ones grow. And, and, and you know, by the time that they're old enough to make their own decisions, you hope you planted the right seeds. And all you can do is hope to see, hope for the best. Yeah. That's awesome. I was introduced to Tony Robbins at 23 years old. So I'm like, if I'd only been introduced when I was five or six, what a difference yeah. I would have made. But it, like, that's, that's like very much like with our kids. Like I want to take, the, I don't mind taking them out of school and, and doing trips and stuff like that with them. And, um, as long as, you know, they're, they're kind of learning along the way, but being able to immerse them in, uh, you know, unleash the power within with Tony Robbins for three days or do different events like that and kind of expose them to that level of thinking and, and energy is, it's just so it's awesome. It's just, uh, it's great. That's why I love hanging out with entrepreneurs, right? Because we kind of get it. It's just a different mindset. Like we do meditation every single night. We have affirmation cards that we do every single night. I've taken the kids to uh, an archangel event in Toronto. I've taken them to my workshops, my seminars. They've seen me speak in front of like, you know, a ton of people. And it's cool to say, hey, dad's up there speaking. And, you know, they'll even give me like tips and advice and what they noticed and what they took away from it. And it's just, I love being able to expose them to, to for lack of better terms, the real world, you know, and, and what, what the real world's going to offer them as they get older. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Joe, this has been a lot of fun, man. Are you ready for the rapid five? I woke up and I'm like, you know what? I cannot wait for the rapid five today. <laughs> well, I'm ready. All right, man. Here we go. So uh, five rapid fire questions. Whatever comes top of mind is probably the right answer. Uh, so number one, what is your biggest weakness? Stubbornness. Nice. What is your biggest strength? Resiliency. Number three, what's one skill you've become dangerously good at in order to grow your business? Selling. Nice. That's a big one. I think a lot of people recognize that too. Uh, number four, what do you do first thing in the morning? Meditate. And finally, complete the sentence. I know I'm being successful when? I wake up every day completely happy. Awesome. There we go, guys. Mr. Joe Arco in the house. Dude, thanks so much for taking the time for joining us today and for all the amazing work you're doing to elevate our industry and really help trainers so and uh and just doing what you're doing it's, it's just really really awesome what is the best place for people to follow you online 
Uh, website is joearco.com, J-O-E-A-R-K-O.com, and Instagram is joe underscore arco. Awesome. Really simple name for you guys to, to kind of remember there. Not like Uriel Kane, which no one knows how to spell. So <laughs> anyways, we'll link up to that on the show notes for you guys over on the blog. And uh, once again, Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So there you have it. Mr. Joe Arco. Great conversation. Great guy. And again, another Canadian. Now that you see, you're starting to see a trend here. Some pretty savvy kids up here in Toronto, Canada, or in Canada in general. So yeah, I'm always happy to bring them to you and expose what they're what they're doing to to serve their clients and give you ideas of of how you can better your business. And hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you're enjoying the show, hey, would love to hear a rating or review from you on iTunes. It always helps the show. It helps us get more visibility. Helps us help more people. And if you just want to express yourself you can do so over on itunes and in the meantime if you want a little nudge some help to help you get your business to the next level then we could possibly help you and specifically if you're looking to attract more clients predictably if you want to be able to enroll more clients without feeling salesy if you want to be able to deliver an amazing result for them Without one-on-one coaching, if you want more simplicity and clarity in your business instead of spinning your wheels doing a thousand things, then we can probably help you with that. And we do so through a free 45-minute result accelerator call. And if you would like to grab one today, again, it's completely free. You can do so over at healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash book. Excuse me. Now, the call is not for everyone, so on the page, you'll see exactly who it is and his, is not for, um, but if you do qualify, then please grab a spot because we can certainly help you as we have done for many, many people before. And just so you know, it's not a sales pitch, right? This whole call is all about serving you and really showing up in the best way possible for you and where you are and where you want to go. And you know, if you want us to help you deploy some of the stuff we talk about, we can certainly tell you how we can do that at the end of the call. But, you know, there's no pressure either way. So that is the deal. If uh, Again, if you want faster results, if you want a little bit more done with you, done for you, and a lot less trying to figure things out on your own, then uh, your first step is to jump on the phone with us because we can certainly help you. So that's all for today. I want to thank you once again for your attention, for your time, and for your loyalty. I'm Uriel Kim signing off. In the meantime, continue to be great, do great, and I will see you on the next episode.